want to invite our brother uh, Ben to come up and uh, lead us in our scripture reading this morning. Good morning. Um, the scripture reading for today is in three places. Uh, John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Then Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that none can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. And then John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Good morning, church. This is a weird position for me to be in. <laughs> um, it's great to see you all uh, here this morning. Uh, I know that most of you know who I am, but for those of you who don't, uh, my name is Colin. Uh, it's my privilege to be an elder of this church, uh, alongside Les and Pastor Eric. And I only became an elder just a few months ago, so I guess I'm the youngest elder, but I'm also the oldest elder, and the only one with grey hairs, I guess. Uh, my wife Selena and I started coming to the Bridge Church around nine years ago, um, back when it was called the Tung Chung Church. I just thought I'd give you a little bit of a background of myself before I preach this morning. Uh, I grew up in Sydney, uh, I was raised in a Christian home, and I became a Christian when I was about 14 years old. I came to Hong Kong in 2006 after joining Cathay as a pilot, and that's still my job, and it's a job that I love, although like many other careers it's been uh, um, tumultuous in the last two years with the pandemic. Um, but that's, despite being really difficult, has... Um, caused me to grow, I think, in a lot of ways, and an outcome of that, I guess, is that I'm standing before you today, about to preach. Um, I love the Bridge Church. It's a small church, and it is always changing because Hong Kong is a place where people come and go, and so we're always meeting new people and losing people to other churches and other parts of the world. But it's full of loving, spirit-filled, wonderful Christian brothers and sisters, and so I'm really happy to be a part of this church and feel really privileged to, to be an elder. So enough about that. Let's get on with today's sermon. All right, today we're going to take a look at living a life of purpose. Did you know that Hong Kong has the highest life expectancy of any country in the world? The average life expectancy for Hong Kong is around 85 years. 82.9 years for us males and 88 years for females. Obviously, females are stronger than men. Uh, Australia comes in at number eight with an average life expectancy just under 84 years. South Korea is 11th. The US is way down in 46th at 79 years. And China is 64th at 77 and a half years. Now, if I look around me today, I can see that many of us here today are at different stages in life. Some of you, like you guys, are just beginning and have a whole life stretched out before you. Some of us are a little further down the road. 
Um, in a few months, I'll be turning 56, so I guess I've got more of my life behind me than I've got in front of me. Now, I think most of you will agree that we only get one shot at this life, so it is vitally important that we make the most of it. Now, my question to you today is, are you living a life of purpose? Do you feel, do you feel fulfilled? Is what you do meaningful? And if it isn't, then how should we live? If we look to the world around us, the message is clear. You can achieve anything you want to. If you work hard enough, success will come your way. Uh, there's a pattern for us to follow. Work hard at school, get good grades, go to university so that you can get yourself a great career. That career allows you to buy um, lots of cool stuff and get rich, find that perfect partner in life, have kids, educate them so they can then repeat the pattern. Um, then, when we've saved enough, we can retire. And do what? Play golf, travel, garden. Um, now, none of this is bad in itself. Most of us have followed this pattern to a greater or lesser extent. But is that what we really should be focusing on in our lives? What is my purpose in this life? And what plans does God have for my life? Well, today, we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about our purpose for living. After all, God is our creator. He understands us because he created us. He knows what's best for us better than even we could um, understand what's best for us. And he wants what's best for us as we walk through each day. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He made us for a reason, and it stands to reason that we should check out the owner's manual when we're looking into our true purpose. And for us, the Bible is our owner's manual. So today I'm going to look at three points to follow for a purpose-filled life. And they are, number one, we are made by God for his good purpose. Number two, God has a purpose for our time on earth. And lastly, after this life, we have a home in heaven. But before we do that, let's just quickly pray. Lord, you have a purpose for our life. And we thank you that you do have a purpose for our life, that you care about every little situation in our lives. You care about what we do. You care about who we are and what we become in life. And Lord, I pray that today as we look to your word to see how we can live a, a fruitful life, that you will um, guide my words, that you will teach us and lead us closer to you. All right, let's look back at number one. We are made by God for his good purpose. A moment ago, I said that the Bible is, the own, is our owner's manual. Let's now go back to the beginning of the story and see what it can tell us about our purpose. Way back in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we find God hard at work, creating the heavens and the earth. He fills the heavens with the stars, the sea with life of every kind, covers the land with trees and plants, and creates a myriad of creatures, from ants to elephants and everything in between. And it was good. It was very, very good. But God desired something more. And we see in verse 26, Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation, made in the likeness of God himself. 
to be in a relationship with God. That's Adam and Eve's purpose, to be friends with the God of the universe, companions to their creator. And that's what they did. They walked with God through the garden, in the cool of the evening, talking, exploring, enjoying the world together. Kind of blows my mind how that would, how that would look, right? Um, just think for a moment what that life was like for them. And how would you, how would you feel if God met you at the circle in Tung Chung one afternoon and you went for a hike together, laughing, hanging out, exploring, um, just spending time in nature with God? And it was all perfectly natural and normal. They were living a life aligned with their purpose. As we can see in the passage, they also have a secondary purpose as stewards of the earth. They are to look after the fish and the animals and the land, to rule over the earth and to take care of everything in it. And what a noble and satisfying purpose and responsibility that is, even to this day. God made all of us this way. You don't need to be a Christian to have a respect and appreciation of nature, an inbuilt desire to conserve and look after the earth that we see borne out in uh, environmental organisations all around the world. People care about what's going on in the world and, and in nature. And we are just like Adam and Eve. Our purpose hasn't changed either. God wanted us, still wants us, to be his friends, to be in a close, ongoing, lifelong relationship with him. Our purpose is not about doing what we desire in life, not about fulfilling our wants. So we will never be truly fulfilled in life if that's how we choose to live. That's not how we were created. It's about living as we were designed to live, in union with God and aligned with his purposes. Now, for a time, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it was. Adam and Eve lived the perfect life on earth. It was paradise. Um, can you imagine for a moment what that time must have been like? A life full of peace, joy, contentment, love, belonging, a life full of the presence of God, a close and intimate relationship with the God of the universe. In short, it was paradise. Now I want you to try and imagine what our world today might look like if nothing had changed from those days. If sin had not come into the world, if we were still in an earthly state of communion with God, the world would be totally different. There'd be no locks on doors, no need for a police force because crime would be unheard of. No need for the military, because countries, if there were any, wouldn't fight. Parenting would be so easy. Can you imagine your two-year-old child joyfully following your instructions, first time and to the letter? Hard to believe, probably. At work, we would be appreciated and respected, never overworked, always fruitful in what we did. There would be no hunger, no rich or poor, no climate change because we'd be good stewards of the earth. There'd be no pollution, no fear, no depression or suicide, no need to hide, no lies. The world would be good, and that was God's plan. But when sin came slithering into the garden, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, did the one thing that they were told not to do, everything was broken. It's impossible for us to imagine the devastation that Adam and Eve must have felt that first night after the fall. They huddled together 
wearing clothes made of animal skins, made by God for them to cover their shame, the heartbreak they must have felt, the feeling of being shut out, torn away from what was the perfect relationship, the perfect friendship with God. And that devastation that crushed their world is our everyday experience. Our world today is still broken because of that decision. And it's no wonder that the world is full of hurt and sadness and difficulty. And it's not just their perfect relationship with God that was broken. Adam and Eve had been the perfect couple, but now their perfect relationship with each other was broken and there was strife between them. Their perfect relationships with creation and with the world around them was also broken and the earth no longer, no longer functioned as it should anymore. And their perfect relationships with themselves were broken. So all sorts of emotional and psychological issues came into existence as people tried to hide, not only from everything around them, but also from themselves. The disobedience of Adam and Eve damaged everything. But all along, God had a plan to save us, to give us back the relationship with him that we need to truly live that life that we lost because of our disobedience. In Ephesians 1 verse 4 it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save us. God could not leave us separated with no hope of a return to the relationship we were created for. So Jesus, the son of God himself, came to earth and paid the price for our sin by dying on the cross so that we can be holy and blameless in his sight once again. Without Jesus as our saviour, we can never live out our purpose of having a relationship with God. So for us today, the number one thing that you must have to live a life of purpose is to have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. It's the number one thing. Jesus' death and resurrection redeems us, bridges the gap and restores our communion with God, returns us to our original purpose. We just have to believe. As the famous verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now to the second point. God has a purpose for our time on earth. The last statement that we just looked at was that we just have to believe. Now let's take a closer look at what a life of purpose looks like. The first and primary purpose for our lives on earth is that we should believe in Christ. As John 6, 28 and 29 says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Does that sound too simple? Is that all we have to do? Well, of course it isn't. But believing has to be the starting point. God's purpose for us starts with us believing in Jesus, accepting that there is nothing that we can do to be worthy of redemption. We need to believe in Christ and accept his grace, freely given as the starting point of our purpose. Then, once we're saved redeemed by the blood of Christ, back in communion with God, God can then begin the work of transformation in our lives. As Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 said, says, For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. That's the belief we're just talking about. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not by works, so that none should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. Once we're saved, we become a new person. This doesn't happen overnight, but is rather a lifelong transformation. As verse 10 says, we are God's workmanship. We're a work in progress. Um, Growing in faith, growing in love for God, for our fellow believers, and for all, for all of mankind. Our priorities change as well. I don't need to strive for my own success. I don't have to have my own welfare as my number one priority. Rather, God looks after me, and I am free um, to live for others, to serve others. In reality, the goal is that over time we become more Christ-like, literally more like Christ. Um, reflecting his character, his love, and his holiness. Our relationship with Jesus works just like any other relationship. The more time you spend with someone, the more like them you will become. Again, as verse 10 says, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And this, of course, is another key to our purpose on earth. Good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. Good works are the fruit of our salvation, They're the outflowing of our restored relationship with God and all made possible by Christ's outrageous love for us by dying for us on the cross. And what exactly are good works, you might ask? Well, John 13, 34 and 35 tells us, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Serving others... Shining forth with God's love is both our individual and collective purpose on earth. Our mission as individuals and as a church is to bring God's love into the world by our actions. If we look at the last sentence, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, we see something powerful. Jesus is telling us that non-Christians are going to notice how we treat each other in the church. It's a powerful witness because it's countercultural. People mostly look after themselves in the world. This world is full of selfishness. And so when we as a church love and help and look after each other, God's love shines through and we stand out as different. In Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Have you ever heard the saying that there's no greater satisfaction than in serving others? It's true. And it's our purpose. And it's our way of showing God's love to the world. It's also the method that God uses to transform us and prepare us for heaven. And that brings us to the next point. After this life, we have a home in heaven. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, we found out that the average life expectancy in Hong Kong is 85 years. Now, to most of you, that may seem like a long time, but if you put it next to eternity, 
It is barely a tiny blip. We are eternal creatures. God wants us to live forever in heaven with him. When we die, our lives aren't over. We who believe will go on to our home in heaven. As Jesus tells us in John 14 verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. One day, this fallen world will be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, we read, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I can't begin to imagine how amazing it will be. But if I look around me and see the best that this fallen world has to, uh, has to offer and how great those things are, then how much better will they be in the new heaven and a new earth? In fact, I was out hiking during the week doing the Olympic Green Trail and um, I happened to stop for a moment and look up at Lantau Peak and it was looming in the, in the distance there with um, wispy clouds swirling around it um, in the late afternoon light. And it was clear and clean, it's kind of rare for Hong Kong, and it was starkly beautiful. There was birds singing contentedly all around me and I suddenly thought, if this broken, messed up place can be so wonderful, how much better will heaven be? But what does our hope of a home in heaven have to do with living a life of purpose, you might ask? Well, for one thing, it gives us perspective on this life. Our time on earth is not the main game, not the sum total of our existence. Our lives are a preparation for heaven. Living a purposeful life prepares us for eternity. Now, this is important. I'll say it again. Our lives are a preparation for heaven. Living a purposeful life prepares us for eternity. As we go through life, believing in Jesus, serving others, and in relationship with God, we become more like Jesus. And why do we want to be more like Jesus? Well, because Jesus was the only man who ever lived a perfect life. The only man to ever live completely in his purpose. He was a man that was at all times and in all situations completely himself. He was completely free, not concerned with pleasing others, strong but humble, caring, sincere, always loving. Doesn't that sound like the type of life you want to live? And he was in constant communion with God, the way we were supposed to be. So to become more like Jesus is to become a better person. And for most of us, It'll take a lifetime. As we move through life, we face challenges and troubles. Life is hard on this fallen planet, but God uses our time on earth to prepare us for heaven. Now, before we finish up this morning, let's talk for a minute about what heaven will be like. Have you ever heard someone saying, I don't want to go to heaven. The party will be down in hell. Or heaven's going to be so boring sitting around all day 
playing harps, sitting on clouds and things like that, or all my friends will be with, in hell, so I want to be with them and have fun. Well, as you probably know, these statements are all lies of the devil. They're lies of Satan trying to keep us from our heavenly home. Hell is a horrific place built for the devil and his demons, but also, unfortunately, for those who do not accept God's grace. It's a place of separation from God and from each other, a place of pain, not parties. Even if our friends were to be in hell, we wouldn't know they were there because hell is about separation. Heaven, on the other hand, will be anything but boring. I doubt there will be a harp to be found anywhere in heaven. If there is, it'll be a good one. Instead, try to imagine the happiest, best day of your life. Maybe it was your wedding day, a day full of celebration and love, a big party with your family and loved ones and dancing and singing and wonderful food. Maybe it was a picnic with friends and family out in the beauty of nature, running around on the soft green grass with the sun warming your back, eating great food, enjoying fellowship and closeness with those you love. Maybe your best day was a day on a beautiful tropical beach, swimming in the warm waters, or scuba diving, or climbing a mountain, or watching a thunderstorm crash around you. Now, whatever that best day was, it happened on a broken, diminished world, a world dimmed by sin. Your best day here on earth will seem like nothing compared to any day in heaven. Do you believe that? The new, the new heaven and the new earth will be perfect and fully alive. As we saw earlier, God created us. He knows us intimately, knows how we tick, knows what inspires us and what gives us joy. He made us to be in a perfect relationship with him and the rest of creation. And when we get to heaven, we'll have that perfectly and forever as it was meant to be. I, we, honestly can't even begin to imagine what eternity with God will be like. What wonders lay in store for us in heaven. But I'm sure it'll be amazing. Our time on earth will pass quickly. But with Jesus as our saviour, God as our focus, and heaven as our goal, we can live a life filled with purpose, a life that matters, a life lived well. And what more could we wish for than that? Let's pray. Lord, you have a purpose for our lives, and we want to live out that purpose. We want to know you as our Lord and Saviour. We want to serve you and serve others in our lives, Lord. We want to live well, and we pray that you will show us how to do that. We thank you that you know us so well that you, that you want to give us a life that is fulfilled and meaningful and will prepare us for eternity. And we thank you that you are preparing a heaven that, can be, that will be beyond our wildest dreams, Lord. And we just pray that for those that don't know you, that they can come to accept you and be also there with us.